0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, July 16th. Today we are reading from the big book. We are at page 45 and we're the last paragraph starting with we know how he feels. Today's readers are Rick, Paula, Katie G, and Devorah. The reference number for Monday, July 15th, is 4801. That's 4801. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask
1: Philomena to read the 12 steps, please. Philomena, can you press star one to unmute your phone, please? Good morning, Vision, for you. Uh, my name is Philomena. A recovered compulsive reader, the 12 steps. 1. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives became unmanageable. 2. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. 3. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. 4. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 5. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, excuse me, <coughs> sorry. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so, would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong promptly admitted it. 11. Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Philomena. I will now ask Ann S. to read the 12 traditions, please.
1: Hi, good morning.
2: This is Ann S. from Pennsylvania, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is one, one ultimate authority a loving goddess. He may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group should, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance or lend. The OA to any we made a facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige diverted from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self supporting, declining outside Eight, Eight, O-Readers Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA su- as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they, ser- those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name will never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to
0: place principles before personalities. Thank you, I Thank you, Anne. Our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study at the Big Book. We're on page 45, the last paragraph, starting with, we know how he feels. I will ask Rick to begin reading,
1: please. Good
3: morning. My name is Rick. I'm a compulsive overreader. We know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. With that rejection, we imagined we had abandoned the God idea entirely. We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. We looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. We looked askance at many individuals who claimed to be godly. How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Yet in other moments, we found ourselves thinking, when enchanted by a style at night, who then made all this? It was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting, and soon lost. Well, the uh, the authors continue to um, bring everybody into the fold here. They're letting people know that that are skeptical antagonistic, angry, resentful with the God idea that this program is for you it's for everybody. it doesn't matter where where you're you are spiritually it doesn't matter what your concept of God is, whether you have one or not they're they're they're
4: going around
3: the whole gamut and allowing everybody to come into the picture um one that I, I hear often at meetings, uh, the word God brings up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. We hear it over and over and over again at meetings that people have a, a childhood conception of God that, that left them with a, a sour taste. And um, that's okay. That's okay. You You can you can come along with us and uh, it, it doesn't matter what your what your problems are or what your resentments were. But if you notice in the, the very last uh, sentence, they start to crack open the door and get off the negativity. And they talk about that style at night. <clears throat> and there was a feeling of awe and wonder. But it was fleeting and soon lost. So they're, they're, they're just... One saying it's okay if you're if you have trouble with God and two, they're trying to um get you to remember something that you might have thought about, or something that you might have had a, a good thought about uh, a creator or the universe or nature, some positive thought to, to try to bring you back into the fold. So um and as, as we talked about yesterday, that's what this book is about. The book is designed to get you in touch with that power greater than yourselves. It doesn't say that you have to come into the book with a power greater than yourselves. No. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Rick. Who else would like to share on this paragraph?
2: Rose. This from Boston
0: rose and i'm sorry who from boston katie katie all right thank you so much rose go ahead and then katie
4: thank you christy um this is rose a grateful recovered compulsive overeater in new york and um this this paragraph is um it's the hook i can hang my head on because this this describes me like um really down to my toes when i arrived at um oa oh, hey. um... uh... the uh, it's almost every sentence but i'll pick up at the bottom of forty five uh... we were bothered with the faith with the thought we were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power um beyond ourselves was somewhat weak even cowardly we looked upon this world of warring individuals warring theological systems in inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism um for years uh cynicism n- nobody had to tell me but cynicism was like in the core of my being um and and it's it's not the, the uh the value of of identifying in here for me is that with this um with these core beliefs in me uh skepticism and and these beliefs that are described so, not eloquently, but so um, exactly in this paragraph to get somebody like myself to be able to read this and uh, once the food was down, to read it with a mind that was separated from the substance and to say, my God, this is exactly. And the thing that, that took place for me, in the recovery, is that the biggest thing that came up in my own fifth step was my resentment against God, which there were so many resentments, and the main resentment was, where was he when I was a young child in my family? Where was he? And the the bottom line was that I had been abandoned by this supposedly – you know God, whatever I knew nothing truly about him, and the thing that emerged was that I had abandoned him and and what the work with you know after having come to believe that he really did exist as a result of the program, this work with the steps showed that the it was the um disease, it was my addiction. It was the substances that I of uh, food from as early on as I could remember that separated me from him. And then just coming right up to the last sentence here, again, it's it's an identification for myself that um you know the question who then made it all? You know, when you see, I remember I'd go I lived in Boston down by the ocean, and there was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. And it was lost because I was blocked off from the truth. And then when this second step did take place for me, when I finally surrendered to the fact that there was a power greater than me, um, the doors opened up to me then being able to um, receive the power of this program that comes through. So, with that,
0: Christy, thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Rose. Katie from Boston, go ahead.
2: Good morning, everyone. My name is Katie, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I love this. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. And what is prejudice? An unfavorable opinion formed before without knowledge, thought, or reason. So, in other places, I've heard prejudice described as old ideas. And <clears throat> what are the old ideas that I had about God? Well, that I didn't fit in, that nobody, not even God, could look at me, could look at the things that I do, I did with food and say, yes, you are worth it too. Yes, Katie, you are as God created you. I love you. You are a child of God. And there's this, like, softening, right? Because, like, the minute I even smell someone's going to reject me, I reject them first, right? So that's what I did with God. And I was like, "Look at me! Like, how could how could there be anybody um, like God who loves you, loves you?" And and what my sponsor and I talked about at this point is this part says to me, "The place I am is okay to start. Like, you're okay, Katie. Even though you don't feel God, like you have that feeling of awe and wonder that's fleeting and soon lost. But do you think it's there? Is it possible that there's something bigger than you?" Um, and that there is a supreme being. And even though I have a lot of, like, confusion and doubt, it's okay to start where I am. And what's even more significant that she smashed home to me at this point was that I I can't turn my will and my life over to the care of God when I get to step three. That that in order to do that, I need to do steps four through nine in order to really feel God and to have a relationship with God. She said to me, like I was blocked by my selfishness, my dishonesty, by my resentment and fear. And so I was walking around like, you know, making these violent, which are strong, severe, extreme, um, statements about there could be no God because what's he done for me lately? You know? And, um, but if i if i if I can even start in other places we've talked about um there being just that flimsy reed or a mustard seed of you, if you will, that there is some belief inside me, and I had it at the time, there was some belief inside me that there there had to be something bigger than me but I didn't know, and that it was okay to have these doubts. It was like it's okay to be where you are, and because it was okay for me to start. From where I was to start with that that small understanding, that small belief that God could work with that, and my sponsor and I would work together to get rid of all of the manifestations of self through steps four through nine, so that I could have a relationship with God. And that continues for me today. I continue to get blocked off, which is why I have the walking around step step ten, and of course step eleven. So. I just I think that this is such a beautiful chapter because there's there's an expansion and opening of this concept of God that I thought was so narrow and could never include me and and what I got as the result of working the steps is an acceptance and a love for myself and for others that is you know unbelievable that it's okay to be in my skin today and um, so if you're out there reading or wondering what this work is about I highly highly recommend it and with that I pass.
0: Thank you, Katie. We'll take a few more comments on this paragraph before we move on. Is there anyone else who would like to share?
5: This is Nancy.
0: Nancy, go
6: ahead.
5: Hey, everybody. Good morning. Vision for you, Nancy from Liston, Idaho. Grateful to be on the meeting waking up early this morning. And, um, you know, when it gets to this part, I I had to pause when I first read it. My concept of God was, well, as we've, we've heard talked about my problem with my childhood concept of God, because I grew up with a very childlike belief that if I was good enough, um, quote unquote, that I would find favor in God's eyes. And um, I, of course, um, went the route of, you know, kind of a rebellious child. So I was always in trouble. I got into drugs and alcohol at a very early age. I had... Um, Unfortunate experiences that young girls find themselves in when they get into things like that at a young age, which colored my perception of um, who and what God was, but it also made me totally, completely convinced that I wasn't, quote, good enough, unquote. And so I went into my adult life believing that I wasn't good enough, as many of us who get into addiction. And food was just one of those ways that I found to make myself feel okay in my own mind. And what it did, though, as we know now, is every time I shoved food, alcohol, or any um, substance, mind-altering substance into my system, it separated me even more from God. So when I first heard the concept of, you know, that this was a spiritual solution, I almost felt doomed all over again because I thought, oh, no,
3: you know, what am I going to do
5: And I kept, I was constantly encouraged to find my own conception of God. But then again, I went back to that childhood belief. I can't, that's sinful, you know, whatever that means, I can't do that. Who am I to say who God is or what God is? And I really, um, you hear the phrase, um, for the gift of desperation, I am grateful for the gift of desperation because it brought me to the point where I kind of said, what the hell? I mean, I'll give it a try. And I came up, my sponsor had me write out, who and what I needed God to be for me. And I wrote out this list and what happened down the road. It didn't happen. I've had, I've had a profound spiritual experience before, like Bill W., and I've also, most of them have been the educational variety. So this concept of God that I developed for myself, developed um, like the educational variety over a period of time. It was a spiritual awakening, not necessarily a spiritual experience. And so, but what I found out is that who and what I needed God to be is exactly who He had been all along. And all I needed was that open mind and a willingness to set aside my old ideas, my perceptions of who and what He was, and let Him reveal Himself to me in a way which was nothing short of miraculous. Um, Today, He is a loving, forgiving, compassionate, patient, being that gives me everything I need on a one-day, 24-hour basis at a time. I surrender to him in the morning, and he continues to be faithful to reveal himself to me one day at a time in a way that allows me to live in recovery And with that, I am forever grateful. So if you have those kind of same ideas, those beliefs that you're not good enough, um, my prayer and my hope is that you reach that gift of desperation that will allow you to just say, okay, what the hell, I'll give it a try, and be open to just allowing God to show you exactly who and what he really is. And so with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much for allowing me to share.
0: Thank you, Nancy. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Meg. Melanie. Meg and then Melanie. Go ahead, Meg.
2: Thank you. This is Meg, very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Vermont. I'm just going to go to the very end of this paragraph. Yet in other moments we found ourselves thinking, when enchanted by a starlit night. Who then made all this? There was a feeling of awe and wonder but it was fleeting and soon lost. This My experience is for those of us who looked at the chapter We Agnostics and thought to ourselves, oh, I don't need that. I already have an experience that I've already had ex- experienced God. I already have a relationship with God. It's fine. I don't need to. I'm not an agnostic. Oh, I don't need that paragraph. <laughs> but, my, this last sentence explains my relationship with God. I had had some very deep and powerful moments where I had experienced my, the, my un, understanding of a higher power to a level that created a very deep love and reliance on him. And in those moments, I was in awe and I was totally floored by his power. And I knew that I loved him, and I knew that I needed him. But those moments, they were fleeting. And in between those moments, I would try to pray to my higher power. I would try to pray to God. But I would get no answer because I was just speaking. I was just begging for him to relieve my disease or for, you know, for his will to be done, asking, 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 never getting any answers never doing anything. And that's what this program teaches us. It teaches us to take those fleeting moments and extending them moment by moment throughout the day so that you don't just have these incredibly deep experiences with higher power. You are with walking with him every single moment of the day. And that is what first attracted me to this program. And let me tell you, If you work these steps honestly and earnestly, it comes true. And with that, I'll pass.
1: Thank you, Meg. Melanie, go ahead, please. Melanie, can you press star one to unmute your phone? We may have lost uh, Melanie for just a moment there. Is there anyone else who would like to share while we're waiting? This
7: is Leah. Leah, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just wanted to focus in on uh, a couple of statements here. It says, we looked upon this world of... Warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism, and of course, skepticism means doubt, a doubting attitude or state of mind, a philosophical doctrine which uses doubt to discover truth um, you know what the program of recovery did was uh you know through the process, through these action steps um put me in right relationship with god with self and with others. How how did it do that? Well, in steps 1, 2 and 3 it put me in proper position uh with god. Even though I couldn't answer the question who was god? Where was god? You know, <laughs> I couldn't uh to de- clearly define him, but through those first 3 steps it the, the big book taught me uh you know, whoever your god is, Leah, it's not you. You know, God, you are not uh, a power greater than yourself. Um, You know, so it put me in right position, you know, that there is a God and I'm not it. And through that process of steps one, two, and three, the surrender, the conclusion, uh, just the throwing myself at the program, it removed enough self-will to enable me through these action steps to look in my mind with the help of a recovered sponsor to see what the problems really were. So three through steps four, five, six, and seven, I could find those things through the help of these action steps and begin to change them. The resentment, the fear, uh, you know, the selfishness that was blocking my view Uh, So through the action steps of four, five, six, and seven, it straightened out my mind enough, mentally enough in my head and removed enough self-will to allow me to look at things that I had done to others. And of course, that's steps eight and nine. So essentially, it was just, you know, removing these barriers. So I love that word, look. We looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, inexplicable calamity, and deep skepticism. We looked askance at many individuals who claimed to be godly. My vision was off. That's why after the process, when you go through these steps on page 85, uh, in the middle of the page, it says, every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. So now I have an opportunity uh for for new vision You know, a vision for you, a new vision, a new pair of glasses, all alluding to the same idea that the program of recovery changes my point of view. It changes my mind through the submission and obedience of these steps and principles. It opens my mind enough to change my mind and cast aside those old ideas and old attitudes that used to govern me and allow me to now be governed by new attitudes and new ideas, so therefore I have a new vision. And it's not, it's not merely Leia's vision. It's trying to align myself to have God's vision. So that's the process that the whole program offers all of us. And it's not done just by thought alone or just by praying alone. Uh, it is done through the application and implementation of these steps. And with that, I pass. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Leah. Melanie, go ahead, please. Hi, thank you, Melanie. Recovered compulsive overeater.
2: Um, um, I'm hesitating because the last person's share was very, very, very profound. Mine is um, just a step before that, talking about barriers. And I wanted to, when I was going to share, but I got dropped off my own phone call, (laughs) um, was to focus on we know how he feels. And um, thank you for the last person shared. When I looked at this and read this, there was an ability or something that came over me to be able to melt. Because my position has always been, you don't know how I feel. You couldn't possibly understand how difficult this is for me because you haven't lived my life. And all that that was within me was completely convinced of that statement. And when this very, very, very first sentence came, we know how you feel. It was almost as if they had turned around from me, looking out to to the vast amount of people still out there saying, we know how he feels. We know because there was 100 people that had been absolutely cast aside, cast away, cast off by society as lost, had recovered. And then by this fourth um edition book, when it came out in 1976, the and I had, they had 100,800 groups, And I'm a person that came to my knees
1: when I saw
2: a room full of folks stand up and say when they had no other place or choice or whatever to do with what they had done before differently. I hope that made sense. And they had in fact recovered that's when the barriers for me dropped that's when it was significant for me did i believe in a power greater than myself did i believe in this idea of god no but there was a small teeny
8: tiny opening that said
2: i think they do know how i feel and because of that the prejudice started dropping from my eyes to be open to the idea that something that I absolutely now fundamentally did not, would not believe in
1: could change. That was significant for me.
2: That stepped up before any of these other words that they had written after that particular
0: sentence, and with that I passed. Thank you, Melanie. Let's move to the next paragraph. Paula, will you please read that for us?
9: This is Paula, Recovered compulsive Reader. yes. We of agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. Let us make haste to reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power which is God. You know, in the beginning, it brings you in. As was clearly stated when we read the first part, we know how he feels. And now we say, yes, yes, we have agnostic temperament. Not no, I haven't a clue what you're talking about. Oh, I have a clue. Many have had these thoughts and experiences that was written in the paragraph before. Is there a God? Isn't there a God? Seems like there's no God. Looks like there's a God at that ocean standing in front of the stars in the sky at night. Thoughts and experiences. Let us make haste. That means hurry. Let us make a hurry. Come here, honey. Look at this. To reassure you. We want to reassure you. Don't we all need that? No condom. No, no, you should have got it faster. How come you haven't got? No. Reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to, look at what it does, lay aside, put aside your prejudice, and express, and what do we pick up? To set forth, that's express, even a willingness to believe, that's it, not even a believe, it says a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, We commence to get results. Well, look at this. They're the beginning. They're a beginning. But you see, there can't be a beginning without an ending. Lay aside the prejudice. Pick up. Pick up the willingness to get results. That means you're seeing something happening that's beyond you. Even though it was impossible, and there it is, I can't tell you, for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God, I don't understand it, but I know it lives within by what I do without. My very thoughts are different. They are not the same thoughts. Thoughts of judgment have become compassion. Thoughts of hate and resentment have become love and caring. That's what the power of God does. And there is are uh, the steps, the spiritual steps. Make no doubt, each step is God. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass.
0: Thank you, Paula. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? is Amy Yes. Amy, Katie, and then I heard someone else. Lois? Lois? Let's start with Amy, Katie, and Lois. Amy, go ahead, and then we'll catch the other folks' names.
2: Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland.
5: Wow,
2: this is such an awesome paragraph. It was for me. I know when I came into this program of the agnostic temperament. It says here, let us make haste to reassure you we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results. Wow. You know, some of you all heard me share yesterday when I was in my first meeting, my first years anonymous meeting, dying of this disease, I heard them start talking about God. And I had, quote, tried God before then, and he didn't give me what I wanted. So to heck with you. I found God wanting, and I was firmly agnostic. When I heard God in that room I stood up and I walked out of the meeting. And thank God someone followed me out of the meeting. Some recovered compulsive overreader and they came to talk to me about the program. And the beauty of it is that they didn't talk to me about God or how to find God at that point. What they did is they handed me the pamphlet that said, "Are you a compulsive overreader?" that had 15 questions on it. And I said yes to every single one. What she reinforced to me was the how of the program being honest, open, and willing. She said, can you honestly concede that you can do this on your own anymore? And I could not. I could honestly know that. I honestly knew that I could not stop eating. And she said, well, could you be open to a different way? Could you submit to this program? Would you be willing to do something different? Would you be willing? Would you be willing? And knowing that I could not, could not stop eating. I was willing at that point. As they say in step one, John Barleycorn, Sarah Lee was the best advocate because I could not stop eating. So here I was, I was willing, I stood at the turning point. I was able to ask at least for the incomplete abandon for this program to work and that I would be willing to work it. Willingness indic- was it indicates action, is an indicative of action. So that I knew that I wasn't going to go back. I didn't want to go back. I was terrified of going back but I was willing to step forward. I couldn't define God at that point. I had no idea, but I did see a power greater than myself, and it wasn't me. It was the 12 steps of Over Anonymous. It was the people who had recovered that had gone before. And upon that foundation, I was willing to take the steps forward and to say, I submit. I am no longer going to try my way. I am going to go ahead and follow the program that is laid out in front of me, and I'm going to work it like my life depends upon it. I'm going to believe in something outside of myself. And that, could I fully define or comprehend God's power at that point? No. 25 years later, folks, I'm still trying to figure out and define that power, and it grows and it evolves over time. And that belief grows through the process of the transformation that takes place through working the 12 steps. But all I needed, I mean, what a relief to read that paragraph to say, it's okay. All you need to do is be open and willing. Be honest about your powerlessness. Be open and be willing to try another way. We don't have to have all the instructions set in front of us right away. or We don't have to understand them. Let's put it that way. We just need to pick up that kit of spiritual tools that is laid at our feet. And we need to start working the program and we don't have to understand it, we don't have to comprehend it all, we just need to know that it works and believe that it works and be willing to take the action steps to do it. And when we balk and when we get worried or we get terrified, we say, no, I don't want to go back there, I'm gonna follow the way that's put in front of me. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Amy. Katie, go ahead.
8: Good morning, this is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um, Let us make haste to reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results. Um, And so I just wanted to focus on this word commenced. That means um, to start, to begin. It doesn't say, you know, you'll lose 100 pounds by uh, Christmas. It says that you can begin. And that's what happened for me. You know, when I got asked on October 7, 1987, I there was a shift in my thinking. And I was suddenly willing, as Amy just talked about, to do what I was told. And I had believed in God, but I didn't believe that God cared about my eating problem. And so I commenced to get results. I began. I suddenly... Uh, was able to not, um, to, you know, say no to food that had before been just sort of popping into my mouth, uh, seemingly without (laughs) me even realizing what I was doing because I was constantly around food in my profession. And I went back the next day on October 8th, 1987, and I did not do that. Um, did I think that I would be standing here 25 and a half years later saying that I never once went back to that way of life? No. I had absolutely no idea that I had made this beginning, but I had. I had commenced to start to get results because I put the food down and I picked up this spiritual program. And, you know, I didn't have to understand it all. I didn't have to um you know understand everything that was going to happen to me and that was also part of my surrender is that I stopped worrying about it. I stopped saying, well what about this? Well what about that? But 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 you know, I was full of, you know, as as uh Melanie shared earlier, you know, if you well if you understood my life then, you know, you'd understand why it's so hard for me. That all stopped. All I did was stop the, the madness in my head of, of uh, talking myself out of working this program. And it is work. It doesn't happen by itself. You know, I do take action every day. I don't uh, leave, you know, everything in someone else's hands of, how I'm going to get my abstinent food. But I'm no longer obsessed with my abstinent food. Um, and, you know, I, commenced, I began to believe that there was a power greater than myself that would restore me to sanity. And that's all it takes. It doesn't take, you know, having a Ph.D. in religion to work this program. All it takes is an ounce of willingness. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Katie. Lois, go ahead.
6: Hi. Good morning, everyone. This is Lois, recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts, and I wanted. This is you know this is such a rich um, paragraph. Um, I wanted to comment on as soon as I was willing to set aside my prejudices, um, and and for me, uh, when I think back to to how that applies to me. It, it really isn't very hard to remember, you know, how disease had um, had kicked the you know what out of me, and for thirty years I've been trying all my own ways. You know, I I was brought up to believe in God, which, you know, what, what that that was just a statement. I, I never even, I never even gave it any time to think about what that meant to me. I never thought about it. I said, oh yeah, there's a God, just like there's stars, there's sky, there's that, you know. But it was never anything that I could ever go to, Um, I had no trust, uh, you know, the disease in my family had taught me that, you know, there's, you know, just if you want something done, you do it yourself, and I became very, very good at that, you know, I became very, very uh, successful in all areas of my life, I, I, I could accomplish whatever I tried to do. And, um, the only thing I could not do is I could not stop eating compulsively, no matter what i did and and it did a job on me so that when you know when i when I was willing you know when i when I came into my life where i i was willing i had I had surrendered my own way, you know, and i heard you know I heard the big book and and they said to me that you know if you uh just open the door just a little bit that you you know that that is all we ask. And for me after after thirty years of trying to do this myself, I heard that, and I felt the first time I heard it with my heart, I heard it years and years in my head, but then I heard it in my heart and and I knew for some reason or other i I you know it was like that slim reed God presented a slim reed to me, and um I visualize that today, but it all of a sudden there was a shift in my b- belief and and i had a little hope and i began to move for i knew i was moving forward you know and it was god's grace for me and and i was going to move forward where i stopped thinking about trying to do the food trying to do this myself trying to stop trying to stay stopped and i began to begin to think uh, how this is how i'm going to do it i'm going to work these steps with a recovered sponsor and and from that day forward you know my life changed dramatically, like everyone on this line has mentioned. But for me, it was—you know—I, if I—I I would have gone anywhere if somebody had told me, "Take all your clothes off and stand in the middle of Boston, and it'll help you." To st-, I would have done that because I was given the gift of desperation. You know, it took a lot for me. I was very—you know—I was self-confident. I could do this. I'm successful. I don't need it like you guys do. But the disease had done its job on me, Um, and in simple terms, I came, I came to Overeaters Anonymous, I came to Big Book Step Study, I came to, you know, um, I, I, I started to open the door just a little, I was willing to believe, like everyone else has said, I'm still, I have a wonderful relationship with God today for myself, and it's a conscious one, God is in my heart, and when he's in my heart well you know he's he's there he's there and wherever i am he is and and i came i came to and i came to believe so it's 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 a process came came to came to believe and with that i pass
0: Thank you, Lois. Uh, this is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and uh, you know, my disease kept me in the spin cycle for years. I came to OA in 1994, and from 1994 until 1999, I spun around on two ideas. One of them was my food plan, and the other one was um, my concept of a power greater than myself, and... You know, as I spun around on those two things, um, you know, thought about what my higher power should be. You know, should I call my higher power God? Should I spell it with a capital G? Should it be a goddess? Should it be a spirit of the universe? You know, what should my concept of God or this higher power be? You know, the same way I thought about whether or not I should eat sugar or whether I shouldn't or, you know, maybe I should be a vegetarian or go on a macrobiotic diet. You know, both of those things, both of those things kept me in the food. Both of those things kept me in the food, spinning around and around and around. Because, you know, until I could figure out both of those things, I was just going to, you know, be over here by this box of donuts. And that was the way my recovery looked. And I sat in meetings, weekly, in circles, um, you know, talking about these things. You know, not talking about anything else because my recovery had not moved beyond me. You know, my recovery had not moved beyond me. My disease, however, was progressing, um, you know, uh, very well, thank you. and. Uh, You know, as long as my disease could have me spinning around in that, there was no way. I didn't have a chance of recovering. I didn't have a chance, you know, as long as I was trying to figure these things out. And it wasn't until, you know, I finally left away um, for two years of, you know, no meetings and no sponsor and no nothing except for horrible relapse. And I don't know any good relapse, but horrible, horrible, horrible. And uh, I got pretty desperate. I got pretty desperate. And so when I came back to OA in 2001, you know, you, I don't care what you wanted me to do. I don't care what you wanted me to do. Um, I, too, was given that, you know, that gift of desperation. No one could have handed that to me. I had to get that on my own. And uh, you know i it didn't matter what people said at that point. you know I mean the the hoop was really wide, as it says in the twelve and twelve. I, all I had to, all I had to believe was that I could not solve my problem, and that was very clear to me that I could not solve my problem, and uh, it got to it got so bad that I was even willing to give up trying to figure out what my plan of eating should be. You know, I let professionals help me with that. So, you know, thank goodness um, that was all I needed, and it was really pretty simple. And uh, my disease had done its job, and uh, for that I'm grateful. And I have not found it necessary to pick up the food not once, not once since September ninth of two thousand one. And uh, I am grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. So, anyone else who got time for a couple more? Um, shares on this particular oh. paragraph. Anyone else? Hello? This is Patricia. May I share? Patricia. This is Sheila. Patricia and then Sheila. Patricia, go ahead. And if we have time, we'll get to you as well, Zippy. So Patricia, Sheila, and then Zippy, Go ahead, Patricia. Hi, this is Patricia I'm from North
2: Carolina. I just want to share on this piece that it says it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power which is God. When I read this, when I understand, I mean, I have it highlighted, underlined in different colors, so I've gone over it a few times, and I love it because it helps me to understand that nobody can define God, not even me. Nobody can comprehend him, so that means he's way bigger than my imagination. So powerful that I can't even comprehend I can't comprehend him. So therefore, when when I turn my life over and I turn my trust over, and then these little problems arise in my life, like oh the electric bill's bigger than uh, than I thought it was going to be. Oh, we got struck by lightning and things got broke, and oh this happened, oh that happened. You know, my God is bigger. He, I can't even comprehend his his wealth and his love for me. So therefore, I am learning just to relax, take it easy, don't struggle, because God is in control. That's what this book is teaching me, that I am no longer in control of anything that goes on on this earth, not even waking myself up, not even being able to see or breathe, or, you know, God is in every breath, and I practice, and I practice this. And he is doing such marvelous things in my, in me, and in my life, but in me, to where I don't need anything. I mean, it's it's so awesome. It's like I don't need money, and I don't need this stuff, because he's going to supply what I need. And and I'm learning to trust that because he, I cannot fully define him, but I do know that my God, he is going to supply everything I need because I am his child. This big book tells me that, that he is the father, I am his child. And what do I do with my children? I will help them. I will bend over backwards for them. I will die for them. You know, and that and, and that's the kind of God I have that He will do. and has done. He's He's died for me, but He's he, he will do anything for me to help me. He will help me succeed, and He will also allow me to serve my consequences. You know, but like I have to to teach me to teach me good things. You know, to teach build my character. You know, that's what it's all about. It's about love and and, and just being the parent, the godly unconditional love of of something so great as God is is just for me is uncomprehensible. I cannot define it and I cannot comprehend it. And that's what makes him God. If I if I could define him or comprehend him, then that's not God. And that's what I love. <laughs> Anyways and with that I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you Patricia. Sheila, go ahead. Hi, this is Sheila. Can you hear go
10: me? Go ahead yeah, go ahead, Sheila. Hi, Sheila from New York, Compulsive Overeater. Just wanted to check in and identify returning back from vacation, and thank God, food and God is all in order. Grateful for that. Um, this particular um, topic was probably the biggest thing that was in my way. You know, um, yes, very much aware of a higher power and the God. The God of my upbringing as a child was like a punishing God. So I figure I must have did a lot of things because a lot of things were happening around me and some of the very frightening and scary and horrific things that happened during my lifetime. I wanna go, Where is he? You know, maybe there is a God. I, I understood that, but where is he? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why are we going through this or that or whatever? You know, maybe we weren't worthy of God's love because so many different things are happening to us and um my grandmother, bless her soul, used to say that God didn't give us no more than we can bear, and I was like, okay, I say, uncle, how much can we bear, you know, but for me, what has happened recently was a shifting, and and I do thank this particular group for the awareness of a session of the mind, because I really didn't understand what that was before coming on to this particular group. Um, a shifting where the same God that I had to turn each and every family member over to and that I wasn't in control, I wasn't responsible for them, I didn't cause what was going on with them, was not not my doing, nothing I could do, could fix or do anything for anyone. And it took me a long time to get that. And finally I got that. But the shifting for me about um, almost a month ago now, was that that same God that I turned my family members over to, he's been waiting for me. He's been waiting for me. He's been there for me all along. And I can't express what a feeling of joy, release. It is to know that the same God that I entrusted my children to, my family to, that God has been there all along for me. Sometimes I didn't see it. I felt it, but sometimes I didn't always see it, and it's just a relief to know that I am worthy of the love that I have given my family over to a power greater than myself. And it's a relief, because I'm not responsible, not even for me, and with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Sheila. We're going to end there. If you did not get an opportunity to share, we're here Monday through Friday, so please join us tomorrow. Uh, thank you to everyone who shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Katie D, will you please read that for us?
2: I can do that. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick.